So we're going to have a standalone message today um, about something I think we all desire very deeply. We desire to be more like Jesus. And that is a desire that God has placed in us. That's not of our own doing. The Spirit of God has birthed a desire in you, in you to be more holy, more righteous, more loving, more discerning, more pure, more like Jesus, to think of others more than yourself, to grow and live in your life with purpose, to not waste minutes on ourselves, but live each moment and each hour for the glory of God. He has birthed that in us. He has begun that good work. You see, sometimes we might be think that we started that work, that there was something wonderful or special about us, that we were one of the special people that sought after God. But let me tell you something. God tracked us down. Amen. He pursued us. Our God is the great pursuer. That before we were in our mother's womb, he said, they are going to be mine. They are going to be mine. I'm going to make them instruments, chosen instruments, to bear much fruit to good works, to re reflect the image of my son to a broken and dark and lost world. I'm going to do something in them that brings them so much joy and brings me wonderful glory. See, if you understand the glory of God, there's something that was transformative in me years ago. To understand the glory of God is to understand that God is most glorified when he's rescuing his people. And God is so glorified when he uses us as instruments to voice the gospel that rescues people. The spirit of God is present when we love people with the love of Christ. And so today I want you to be encouraged that he who began a good work in you will complete it. So if you would turn me to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I'm getting real digital up here. I got the iPad mini and the phone. I don't know what's going on at this point. I'll just give you guys a second to get there. That's Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with an affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So I want us to see what the completed work is like what's a finished project what's a finished job it's simply for us to be more like jesus but paul gets into more specifics he says it's for us to abound in love how many people want to grow and be in a loving person for us to abound in righteousness which easily said is just right living how many of us are saying how i'm living now this isn't in line with the gospel and i i want to live rightly in this area 
wants us to be more pure. I, I know all of you, and I know you want more pure thoughts. You want more pure mo motives of heart. To be more discerning, as Paul says, of what's right and what's wrong. The complete work is to be more pure, more discerning, more righteous, and abounding in love. And when we walk in those things, we are more like our Savior, Jesus. You know, sometimes we're worried that the job will never get finished. If you've ever hired a contract, you know that's the situation. May I even say the situation? That's when it gets real bad. Most contracts, as you hire them, they show up. They're like, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be done in two weeks. I'll be out of here. I hope it's not too quick. And you're like, you tell your family, man, well, it's going to be done in two weeks. We're going to be in. You should see the kitchen. Then you face reality and you realize, wow, the demo guy hasn't showed up just looking out the window. Call the guy. I think maybe call back in 24 hours. Uh, two months later, you're like, hey, man, what do you think? You think you're going to come back someday? You know, this happened. I was in the contracting business for years. I was an electrical contractor for 10 years. And I never had to advertise because all I had to do was show up and they thought you were a great contractor. They're like, this guy's awesome. He showed up. Like, man, this is easy. But there was one job specifically that I want to bring up today. It was a job we were doing in Swampscott. And um, I say Swampscott. I guess Swampscott is the proper uh, way to say it. But what had happened was this family had hired their brother-in-law to do the work, which nine out of ten times, that's the wrong move. Okay, let me tell you that. Okay, moving on. But their brother-in-law... Oh, this guy's brother-in-law had promised in the world, he said, I'm going to add on a garage. I'm going to remodel this house. You're not even going to know what this is going to look like when I'm done with this. But he struggled with addiction. So what happened was he'd be there for a week, fired up. He'd be laying stuff. He'd be doing stuff. And then he'd miss two weeks. And then he'd show up for three days, and then he'd miss three weeks. And before you know it, it was a year and a half later, and he was even putting stuff in wrong. He did the foundation wrong. Or the garage. And what happened is he would start one project and it takes integrity to finish a project and when it got hard he'd move to another project. I'm gonna start. I'm just keep starting stuff. So what you had over the whole house was different projects started but never finished. And so what happened was one day they, they said we had enough of this. I don't know. We're living in an apartment with our whole family. We gotta call someone to get this job done. So they called the GC that I worked for. He showed up, and this GC always finished what he started. He was one of the good contractors that I got to work with. So we came to the job, and they were in distress, and we said, listen, we're going to finish this job. We can handle this. And over the next few months, we, we redid the foundation. We, we put up the garage. We rewired the whole house. The plumber came in and did a job. And I can't tell you the joy of that family when that job was complete, and they walked into that house. Because someone was there who had the integrity and the character and their love for their vocation that they finished what they started. And the joy it brought to that family. I drive by that house at least once or twice a week when I'm dropping off Natalie. And it keeps getting more complete. Complete looking. I mean the bushes, the landscaping, it's starting to grow now. Like the bushes are getting higher. The grass is getting greener. And every time I go by that, I say, wow, look at that finished work. He said, that family must be so happy. They were worried for a few years that it wouldn't get done. Like, is this ever going to get done? And now they live in that finished work, that complete work, and get all the joy from that.
The reason I tell you that story is because we are the bad contractor. We're the person who starts and doesn't finish. The person who shows up for three days and doesn't show up for three weeks. And if we try to earn or work for our own righteousness or change with our own will, we'll be left in distress. We will say to ourselves, is this job ever going to get done? Am I ever going to be more like Jesus? But you know who the good contractor is. The great contractor is Jesus. Ten out of ten times when he comes in and says, I'm going to finish what I started, he will finish the job every single time. And his most important grace projects, restoration projects, are each one of us. And when he said to each one of us, I will complete the work I started in you. He will finish it. Amen. Some of us need to hear that today because you're living in distress. You're saying, am I ever going to be more loving? Am I ever going to think more purely? Am I ever going to be less naive and discern what is right and wrong? Am I ever going to be more knowledgeable of the gospel and understand the, the fullness and the power of it? I tell you, yes, you are, because the great contractor has started a work in you that he will finish, and we will be more like Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I just have two big points or main points I want to share with you today. Jesus started the work in you, and Jesus will finish the work in you. Two main points. Jesus started the work in you, and Jesus will finish the work in you. You know, it was so refreshing as we read through those verses, you can hear the affection of Paul. There's a lot of love in there that the Apostle Paul is talking about his people. He uses stuff like, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, when he prays, he says, I thank God for the people as I pray for them. I'm so overcome with gratitude as I pray for each name that I become, you know, it just causes me to worship and thank God that I get to pray for these people. The second thing he says, my prayers are filled with joy as I remember you. That's love when you pray for people and you feel joy as you pray for them. I'm so glad they're in my life. I'm so glad I can help and serve them. I'm so glad they can be there and be a friend to me. There's wonderful joy and affection in those prayers. He says, I hold you in my heart. He's doing like a 1980s Phil Collins song at this point. I hold you in my heart. Some of you get uncomfortable. I just walked up to you and said, I hold you in my heart. But he's getting real affectionate, real tender on us, right? Because when you love someone that deeply with the love of God in purity, you start to get more tender and more gentle. You know? Because love lets, it, lets us guard down. Love lets us guard down. Love said, enough with the walls. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to love you the way Jesus loves me. He says, I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ. You guys see that? Christ puts up affection in our hearts for other people. You see, self-love, it's so empty. Self-love is so joyless. Narcissism, it leaves us so empty. But the love with the love of Christ that knows it's better to give than receive, you start to overflow with this different kingdom, overflow with this different love, where you yearn to love and be affectionate towards people because you know how much it blesses and changes their life because people are going through so much. People are going through so much. A kind word, a smile, a call, a text, a gift, a taking out to dinner, a coffee. To yearn for people with the kind of affection that demands action is the kind of love that Jesus has spread in our hearts. 
You know, he prayed that everyone abound in love and knowledge and discernment and impurity. He's praying that his people will grow in righteousness and become more like Jesus. I think it's a very important thing to have pastors in your life that love you with this kind of affection, that are praying for you regularly, holding you in their hearts, remembering you, having joy, and yearning for you with a Christ-like affection. That's a gift from God. I want you guys to know, to the best of my ability, I love you guys like that. And Christ has birthed that in me. Because he started that work. That I pray for you regularly. At time with tears. Well, like Phil Collins, I hold you in my heart. And I really want the best for you in Christ. I know your struggles. You know, Paul went through this. He... He lived life with his people, so he knew their struggles of sanctification. He knew that when they were impure and they cried out, why can't I get rid of this impurity? I want to walk in holiness before my God. He knew that struggling, he didn't judge him. He said this, you're a partaker of grace, and I will intercede to the Almighty for you. He knew when some of, some of um, his people said, I need to be more loving, but I just feel like I'm nasty. And he would bring that into his prayer cloth, and he would say, Lord, help them to walk in that kind of love. It's a wonderful thing to have someone yearning for you in prayer like that. And Paul loved his people with that kind of love. In this passage, it's explained as the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That's what we all long for, to be like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to be for others like Jesus, and bring glory to God the Father like Jesus did. But this is what happened to Apostle Paul, and I'm going to guess as he's wrestling through this, as many pastors and leaders go through, are my people ever going to grow? Are my people ever going to be more loving? Are they ever going to be more discerning? Are they ever going to be more pure? Something hit him with the power of the Holy Spirit under the inspiration of God. He He wrote the very word of God, and he said this, I am sure of this. Some translations say, I'm absolutely confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. Now, let me tell you some discouraging news that isn't true. If we started this work, I could bear bad news right now. Because we're frail. We're fallen. We're broken at times. We don't have the willpower at times. So if I said you begin the good work and you'll finish it, I'm not taking that to the bank. But Paul said this, I'm sure of this, I'm confident of this, that Jesus began a good work in you, and the great contractor will finish that work. He started in you, so don't fret, because you will be like Jesus. I said fret for our southerners. It just comes out, it's not premeditated. You hang around with them, you'll throw you all out, man. I gotta catch myself, like, they're not changing me. I'm saying you guys, not you all. But Paul, he becomes convinced by the Holy Spirit. He said, God started this. God did this. And he's going to complete this. Everyone's going to reflect and be like Jesus when all is said and done. Amen? That's the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the great news that puts energy in our bones and gives us strength when we are weary. See, some of you today maybe feel like you will not walk in purity of mind. I want to say to you, 
on the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes, you will, because God will finish the work he began in you. Some of you today, you think you will never grow in discernment. And I want to tell you the truth of the gospel. Yes, you will, because Jesus will finish the work he started in you. Some of you believe you will never be a loving person. That's a lie. Because the great contractor started that work in you, and he will finish that work he started in you. See, we have confidence that God will finish the work because he's the one who started it, which brings us to this. Jesus will finish the work in you. Jesus will finish the job. You know, one of my favorite movies, um, kind of all my favorite movies in the 80s, a few in the 90s. You might have snuck a few in in the early 2000s. I like Bruce Willis. If you've got a problem with that, bring it to God. You know what I'm saying? So I love Armageddon. That's a great movie. The critics hit it, but that's a class. That's what I'm talking about, Melissa. That's a great movie. Don't believe Rotten Tomatoes. But there's a great scene at the end of that movie because you know what is happening is Bruce Willis is on an asteroid and he's with his oil rig team and they're going to blow up this asteroid because that's what Bruce Willis does. Bruce Willis flies on space shuttles to asteroids to detonate the bomb and blow it up so it doesn't destroy Earth. That's where he makes his money. But there's a great and moving scene in that movie. You know when Bruce Willis... He tricks his right-hand man, and he, he puts him in there, and he puts on Ben Affleck, and he tricks everyone, and they leave him there, and he's got to detonate the bomb. But what happens is the space shuttle's going away, the Earth is watching, NASA is watching, and the clock starts ticking, 15, 14. And, of course, they've got to make it dramatic, so Bruce Willis is getting blown around the asteroid. He's, he's trying to make it to detonate the bomb, and we all know Bruce is going to make it because we've seen the movies before, right? He gets to the, the switch to detonate the bomb. He's moving towards it. And some people are saying, we got to nuke the thing. We've got to hit it because he's not going to make it. But everyone who knew him, his team, his daughter, they say, don't do it. And they make the statement I want you to hear. He doesn't know how to fail. They say, he doesn't know how to fail. And then he gets there and he, he's about to hit, detonate the bomb. And he says to his daughter, he says, we win, Gracie, and he hits it. You know how Bruce does. He splits the asteroid. It misses Earth. Everyone's saved. We'll watch the next one. But the reason I bring up a movie and a story like that, because many of us have seen that, and so stories help us connect to certain truths. What I want you to tell you today from that movie that is helpful for me is Jesus doesn't know how to fail. Do you guys understand me? Jesus does not know how to fail. He has never failed. And he never will fail. He never will fail. He started a work in you, and he has never not finished a project. He has never left someone wanting. He has always been on time. He will always complete it. And to his sons and daughters, he says much of the same thing. We win. It is finished. You can live in that truth that Jesus will never fail. He doesn't know how to. You know, Paul says a wonderful thing. He says he will bring it to fullness, upon the, to completion, upon the day of Christ. And I want to take for granted that everyone here knows 
that not only did Jesus die, not only was he buried, not only did he rise again, not only did he ascend after 40 days with his disciples, but he says to, to his disciples, I will return again. I am coming back to make all things new. He said, the way you see me going up is the way I'm coming down. I will judge the living and the dead. I will make all things new. I will destroy every repercussion of sin. Death, disease, war will be no more. And upon that day, Paul says, the work will be complete. Amen? And there's a wonderful verse I want to share with you. It's a great mystery, but it helps us understand this completion of the work here. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. When Jesus returns, the great eschaton for my theologians out there, the second coming, when he appears, I did that for you, Brent, so you think I study and stuff, you know. When he appears, we will be like him. We will be changed. No more struggles. No more failures, no more sins, no more death, only freedom and absolute restoration and completion in Christ. Amen? That's our hope because we're caught between the already and the not yet. So we're already perfectly, we're justified, meaning we're in right standing with God through faith in Jesus, by grace alone in Christ alone. So we're perfectly innocent before God. But we're working through this thing called sanctification when we're struggling through where we know that God loves us and he's declared us innocent and he's washed our sins away, but we know we still struggle with impure thoughts. See, we know that we're perfectly righteous because of the imputed righteousness of Christ that comes by faith alone, but we know that sometimes we commit unrighteous acts. See, we have a knowledge of Jesus and we... We get facets of the gospel and we're just overwhelmed. We want to sing about it. We want to talk about it. We're changed by it. But we see through a mirror dimly. When Jesus is fully revealed to us, that day will be the completion of the work. And we will be like Christ for all eternity, live in his presence, absolutely forgiven, worshiping him for his cross and resurrection forever. And it's going to be the best day of our life every single day. He's going to finish it. He's going to fully finish it. See, the Holy Spirit is giving us hope because it doesn't always feel like that. I wake up, I might not even like people to 7.59. Two coffees later, already towards my maximum of three. See, when we're having trouble forgiving someone, it doesn't feel like that work is complete. Because I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to let it go. What I want to do is I want to get them back. But that struggle, and the Holy Spirit works, and he says forgive, and the gospel overcomes us, and we let it go. When those impure thoughts that harass us are in our mind, we say this doesn't feel like the Holy Spirit is renewing our mind. But he says, you will walk in full purity because I am your God and I started this work. Amen?
When Jesus returns, the job will be complete. I want you to hear these two application points. Because for every job, you need tools. For every job, you need tools. Like when I asked um, Bethel Baptist, I said, could you demo that wall? I didn't have tools yet. They were like, you got a sledgehammer? You got something? Pastor Laser said, man, I'm going to punch through this thing. I said, just wait. Let me get you something at Home Depot. Okay? I went and got the sledgehammer. I'm telling you, I picked them up from Logan. By noontime, I, they, by like one, they had the right tools. I thought they'd get settled in, have a little food. But they just started... Brendan, he like took off a sweatshirt. It was a Superman logo, and he just started hitting stuff. I said, they don't play around in Tennessee. They don't play around in Tennessee. But you need tools to do the job. And I'll, there's many tools in the tool shed of God that he uses to make us more like Jesus in this life as we work through our sanctification. I just want us to focus on two today. People and the gospel. God will place people in our lives that help us become more like Jesus. We cannot become more like Jesus alone. The enemy loves when we isolate because we're not being shaped by forgiving others or loving others or serving others or other people talking about our character deficiencies or other people calling us to maturity or other people in our most broken times of life being there to love us and care for us. All that stuff in community, what that does is that makes you more like Jesus because you feel the love of God spread by the Holy Spirit. Amen? He uses people, he uses community, he uses us as instruments to sharpen and love each other so we will resemble Christ. You know, it might just be an example, like when you're around people that God's put in your life, it might be an example that they said of love and action. You say, this person is really loving and giving. And all of a sudden you've got that new influence in your life and you're saying, wow, should I be more loving and giving? Should I be kinder? Do I need to readjust the way I'm thinking? It might be the different way they talk to people and have conversations. When you get around people that have healthy conversations, you start getting uncomfortable with gossip because everyone's talking healthy and you come in like, you heard about that dude, I don't like him. And everyone's just like, what's this dude? Why are you bringing that darkness in here? But when you're around people who use their words to encourage and lift up, all of a sudden uh, gossip, it, it's, it's not comfortable anymore. You, you want to be around people who lift up and who encourage. And I know, like I tell you guys all the time, I grew up a family where everything was confrontational. Like if you talked about the peanut butter, it was like, what, you got a problem with Skippy? Like everything. And I, I thought that was just how you lived. Then I started dating Natalie, and everyone was like, time out, man. You want to argue about everything. I was like, why? Everyone talks regular around here? Everyone gets along? See, me would just be confrontational. I'd leave like I love my family. They're awesome. Everyone else would be like, what's wrong with you guys? But I started getting around people who knew have, how to have healthy conversations that were uplifting. and Just being around them started to shape me. I started to ask myself questions. Now, it took years. I started asking myself questions. How am I talking to people? How am I listening to people? Am I interested in what people are saying? Like, that's very transformational, very influential. People, that God allows people to do that in our lives. Maybe they're helping your sanctification by having to forgive them and show grace. God will put people in your life you've got to forgive constantly. And it's the best thing for us. Here we go, I've got to forgive them again. I just forgave them last week, they've got to be kidding me. One of the best things that can happen is there's someone in your life that you can forgive all the time. 
and show off the glory and grace of Jesus. It's a great instrument for sanctification. Or maybe it's someone that God allows in your life that helps you on your journey by saying the things that we need to hear so we exhibit the fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ. So on that application, I want to leave it here. God uses community to make us more like his son, Jesus. Let it happen. Let it happen. It's a wonderful thing. And just closing point here. The greatest tool for us becoming more like Jesus is the gospel of Jesus Christ that leaves no place for pride. There is no place for pride in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A great and famous preacher says, we were outed on the cross. Jesus, arms open wide, bleeding, suffering for us, humiliated, unrecognizable. He outed us as filthy sinners. Now I can sit at the foot of the cross and I can bask in the glory of it because now I am known and I'm still loved. Remember we talked about the, a few weeks ago that uh, um, Tim Keller said our greatest fear is that someone knows us and, but they don't love us. God fully knows us. He knows our sins. He knows our frailties. He knows our impure thoughts. He knows our unrighteousness. He knows when we don't abound in love. He knows that when we wrongly, wrongfully discern. But he says, Christ speaks a better word. Christ speaks a better word. You are loved more than you will ever understand by the maker of heaven and earth, by the author of love himself loves you that deeply. You can't bask in that kind of love without being changed forever. You want to know how to change deeply? Be overwhelmed by that reality every minute of your life. It might be said we are never more righteous than we realize how unrighteous we are and we put faith in Christ for our righteousness. That we never might be more loving than we realize how unloving we've been. Yet Christ still loves us and we can let that overflow to others. That we've been, never been more pure than we realize how just impure our thoughts are. Yet Christ has made us clean and we can walk in the humility and grace of that. That he still loves us. Amen. Restoration Road. Jesus loves you so much. He will finish the work he started in us. And it's going to be more beautiful and powerful than we ever could imagine. We will abound in love. We will be perfectly righteous. Absolutely, fully discerning. And finally see Jesus fully upon his return with full knowledge of our Savior and all his glory. And that day is going to be beyond our imagination. It's going to be beautiful. That's when the job is finished. Jesus started the work in us. He will finish the work in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are the blessed. We are the partakers of your amazing grace. We are loved so wonderfully by you. Thank you for loving us that way, Father. Thank you for sending your Son in all his glory 
to make us partakers of that grace to wash away our sin and make us pure and to reconcile us so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are your children, we are your sons and daughters, loved by you, the almighty God. Lord, I pray that that resonates with everyone here in a wonderful and beautiful way. I pray for those who are struggling, who feel like they're unlovable, that you will make the gospel clear in their hearts, that we feel the love, the pure love that only comes from you. We trust you to finish the work, Lord. And we believe it with all our heart. Amen.